but our top story switches gears to a new collaboration between the U.S. and Canada to try and curb emissions from locomotives and get them to net zero. Joanna Marsh now joins us. Joanna, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, this is a new task force that's been put together. What are their objectives to try and get locomotives closer to, if not at, net zero? Yeah, so, you know, a, a lot, you know, the, the, the industry right now, probably on, you know, on, on, on both, um, in both countries, the U.S. and Canada, um, have been working to um, d develop uh, alternative fuel technologies. So, like, you know, using battery electric locomotives, um, that's something that um, Wabtec and Progress Rail have been working on. Um, and, uh, and several um, of the Class 1 railroads have been involved in, with that. And then, of course, you also have the hydrogen-powered um, uh, locomotives um, uh, that I, I believe the you know, Canadian Pacific and, and CSX, um, but CP especially, um, have been uh, have been testing. And so, you know, it's so you have this 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 private research um, happening um, with with individual companies and, and and universities, but you know, it's it's making. Um, it, it's a way, I guess, for the, the governments to declare, you know, that, you know, that, that it has their backing, of course, as, as well. So, um, so the idea is that, you know, U.S. and Canada will um, fund a task force uh, that will sort of support research um, looking into the, the wide-scale deployment um, of these uh, technologies. And this was um, announced um, at the uh, at the climate change uh, conference in Dubai um, uh, that, that's going on right now. So, Joanna, of course, we know that it's not going to be just a quick switch over from diesel powered locomotives straight to battery electric or to those hydrogen power there. It's going to be a little bit of a transition period and we're going to have to explore some transitional energy. Are we looking at exploring any types of renewable diesel or anything like that as kind of a stepping stone process forward? Or is that something that the task force is going to really kind of suss out is what these next steps look like? I mean, it could be. I mean, they didn't mention re renewable diesel um, in their statement, you know, about the task force. You know, that said, it was it wasn't really a it was a very lengthy statement. <laughs> it was uh, pretty short. So um, so, you know, I mean, renewable diesel is a possibility and that is um, uh, a technology that uh, I, I want to say um well, it's Union Pacific or BNSF, but one of the two, if not both, um, I think UP uh, have been um, have 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 been looking at and 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 I think um, even just for you know the broader freight transportation industry, uh, you know, renewable diesels is is the fuel that that um, that is kind of being viewed as a stepping stone towards uh, maybe something that might even be cleaner. Um, cleaner still so Joanna whenever you talk about emissions in any form or whatever usually the state of California likes to get involved and certainly they're part of the discussion as far as this is as well yeah so you know I I think um not just with with uh freight rail emissions but you know just just freight transportation emissions you know obviously sure. um all the all the stuff that's been coming out of california and the california air resources board so um in april carb had um passed regulation um requiring uh um locomotives operating in, in california um to uh be cleaner locomotives and eventually get to the point um where 
it's a zero emissions configuration. Um, and uh, the timeline um, is pretty, if you, especially for the industry, um, they will say that it's pretty aggressive. Um, and I think there's uh, some, you know, on one hand, um, from the industry perspective, um, even though uh, I think um, the freight railroads, and not just class one railroads, but even short line railroads, um, even though, uh, you know, striving towards lower emissions uh, from locomotives is a goal, um, the, the one that they have now, is, I think like by 2030, um, I think locomotives operating in California have to be 23 euro, 20, uh, the, the oldest they can be is 23 years old. And then, um, and that's, I think for like, uh, I like the first switching locomotives and some passenger locomotives. And then by 2035, um, you know, it, it applies to the class ones. And so it's just, uh, yeah, it's a pretty aggressive timeline. And I think, um, one interesting thing that hopefully the task force um, will be able to address is, you know, when we consider the, the widespread deploy deployment of these um, uh, alternative fueled locomotives, um, you know, how can you get it to a point that it's not just the class ones that are able to um, have access to them, but also to um, to short lines as well. And of course, I think with that, there's also, you know, the funding issue, you know, can there be state or federal funding um, you know, if, if, if this is really a goal um, for the U.S. government and Canadian government, um, can there be federal funding at the, U, you know, in the U.S. or Canada um, to support uh, short line railroads or, or others um, that, that might, um, might need these, these types of newer technologies for locomotives, um, but, you know, can't afford it? That was going to be my next exact question. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because there's always this conversation is kind of one of inclusivity and access, right? And as we know, obviously our big players are those class ones, but your short line operators are doing a lot of that kind of very local heavy lifting and oftentimes doing a lot of those local moves. And when we see that there needs to be some kind of trickle down from your top line down towards those shorter operators. Any threat of maybe something those shorter, uh, smaller operators that is being kind of driven out of the business because of this regulation or because they simply can't afford to comply with what will eventually come down the pipeline? Yeah, so um, that's actually sort of the, the big argument that's happening in California right now um, uh, because the timeline is so aggressive and because the technology is expensive. And, and actually, um, you know, there's debate about um, whether the technology will actually be ready um, by the 2030 deadline um, or 20, you know, the 2030s. Um, the, you know, the, the, the short line association has said that, you know, that, you know, the, the, the sort of really small short line operators, uh, operating, um, in California, you know, um, might, you know, really quite frankly, might not be able to afford it. They, um, you know, he was, you know, that I was talking with the president of the association the other day and, you know, the idea that, you know, some of these locomotives that they run, you know, cause they're, they're, the, the, the short line operations are, are hand-me-downs in a way. So, um, uh, you know, the locomotive sometimes can be like 50, 60 years old. And, uh, you know, and, and that's like what they have because, you know, that's, uh, you know, the short lines um, by their nature are um, rail lines that the class ones didn't want anymore. <laughs> so the local community was like, oh, sure, <laughs> we'll take it. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely like the cost issue. And, and I think it's going to be a, a hopefully it'll be a, a major factor in, in, in how the uh, task force um, looks at, at uh, framing, you know, the, the research. 
Aggressive timelines can certainly be a double-edged sword. It's just to have, nice to have a great goal, not nice to have a very close deadline as well to try and get that done. Um, Joanna, thanks so much for joining us. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. We're going to toss it on over to the wall. Tony Mulvey and Donnie Gilbert are here with your first carrier update this morning.